Hebrews chapter 13, where it is printed in your bulletins and up on the screen behind me. Hebrews 13, verses 7 and then 17 to the end, as we come at long last to the end of the book of Hebrews. Uh, it is a good ending, though. Uh, I mean, it's all good, right? It's God's Word. Um, but uh, we get to enjoy this passage together uh, this morning, not, uh, not finishing off with a whimper, but um, with the good news of God's Word. So let's give our careful attention now to the reading of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible Word. Hebrews 13, verses 7 and 17 through 25. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Let's pray once again. Our Father, we thank you for your word as we do every week. Lord, thank you for a word that begins and ends with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to it, read and preached this morning. Uh, may we listen well uh, and hear your voice and treasure you by it. May we obey you with joy as we hear just how good you are to us in your word. Lord, thank you for the privilege of hearing your word this morning and every week by those you've appointed to minister to us. We thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever needed to talk about something with someone, uh, but it's kind of an awkward topic that you have to talk about? I mean, obviously, you, you could probably think of lots of different scenarios. There are uh, conversations, for example, that parents have to have with children at some point that no one ever really prepares you for. 
there's the, uh, the DTR, right, the defining the relationship talk, maybe with someone that you have feelings for, but you're not really sure what they're thinking about the future of the relationship or where it's headed. Maybe you've had to apologize for something big, or, or maybe you've had to ask someone else to apologize to you. That can be kind of awkward, can't it? Uh, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things. Uh, have you ever had to fire someone for a job, uh, from a job, or, or, or tell them that they didn't make the team or the, the group that they were trying out for? Uh, you know, maybe, probably one of the more awkward ones I can think of uh, would be when you have to tell someone something that you know, but really it should be somebody else telling them, but they just won't tell them, right? There are lots, lots of awkward conversations in lives, lots of, lots of, uh, lots of things that uh, we have to talk about that, that maybe we're not always fully comfortable talking about. I have to admit, I find myself in one of those positions this morning, uh, as in God's providence, He's brought us to this passage this morning, uh, which tells us how God's people are to relate to our leaders in the church. And as a leader in the church, uh, it just feels a little bit awkward to be the one talking about it, <laughs> if I'm honest. Not, not, not uh, in, in some kind of like a controversial way, not, not because I think that our church is, is bad at this or anything like that, mostly just because I don't really like talking about myself or feeling like I'm asking for something, some kind of uh, uh, good treatment. Uh, that's, that's, not a, that's not necessarily a good thing, right? That's, that's actually something that I probably need to, to grow in, right? Because we are actually called to work together in the church to bear one another's burdens. And that means, uh, you know, sometimes we need to be willing to be burdened for the sake of someone else, but it also sometimes means that uh, we need to share our burdens with one another and, and give them the opportunity to bear those burdens. So I am uh, certainly working on growing in that and, and uh, you know, living together well with my brothers and sisters in Christ. But thankfully, uh, my job this morning is not just to tell you what I think about how people should treat church leaders. That's not what we're here to do this morning. My job is to open up the Word of God to you. So uh, just, as, just as the topic isn't mine to pick, uh, but it was picked for me by God who wrote it, well, so too is what he says about this topic. So don't take my word for it, but do listen to the word of Almighty God as he speaks this morning. Because uh, also in God's providence, uh, we come to this passage at a time where I get the privilege of speaking to my church family, whom I love very much, uh, not so much about how God tells them to treat me, uh, since, as uh, we've heard, I'll be leaving soon, uh, but how to think about leadership in the church broadly, and, and then uh, specifically thinking about how to consider the elders of the church, uh, along with the next pastor of Christ Pres, whoever God calls to serve in that capacity. So this will be uh, a, a good Thing to, to think about in light of thinking about uh, that, that next step. I'm very, very thankful for this church family, so I hope that uh, anything that is, uh, you know, said 
this morning is, is not perceived, I just want to get this out there, not perceived as any sort of uh, addressing some sort of personal issue or a perceived feelings of, of slight on my part. That's, again, not what this is. As far as I'm aware, there aren't any of those feelings there. Um, we're just expositing Scripture this morning. We get to dig into God's Word and see how good it is. And if the Holy Spirit brings conviction by His Word, praise be to God. And if the Holy Spirit brings uh, encouragement by His Word, then praise be to God. Right? Only let us listen and encourage one another to follow all the more closely the Word of God, uh, our, our, our beloved and our faithful shepherd who is so good to us in all that he does, including in the provision of earthly shepherds to lead us in the church. Because the goal of all that we do is to be the glory of our great shepherd, right? It's, it's for his glory, for Jesus. And as our text reminds us, he himself can accomplish that goal in us. So we praise him, uh, we follow him and with, with care and attention, and we listen closely to his word in order to experience the joy of hearing his voice, the voice of our good shepherd, and keeping close to him in whom is our life. So, so the main theme uh, of this final section of instruction in the book of Hebrews involves how we as God's sheep are to live with those he has appointed as shepherds in the church. And the word leaders is used three times in our text this morning, it's the word normally reserved uh, for those in official positions, especially uh, at the time this was written, for those who held official positions within the Roman state, such as within the government or within the military. But when uh, used in the context of the church, well, it's clear that the author of Hebrews isn't just talking about anybody exercising some form of leadership in the church. Uh, although uh, certainly these, these principles are probably good and, and helpful in, in any case, but uh, specifically he's talking about those who are ordained to offices of leadership within the church, elders and pastors. Uh, that's, that's specifically what's in view, what's in mind here. In verse 7, he specifies those leaders who spoke the word of God to you, placing a special emphasis on those who preach and teach the word, though in verse 24, he refers to all our leaders, right, or all your leaders. So, so clearly he has in mind not only pastors, but also what we uh, sometimes call ruling elders, uh, so-called because they, uh, they share equal authority in the church with pastors, okay, equal authority, uh, but the focus of Ruling elders' particular calling in the church is, is not so much to lead the teaching ministry of the church uh, as uh, the, the way that uh, pastors, or sometimes called teaching elders, are. Right? So that's, that's kind of the distinction, but, but they share uh, the same level of authority within the church. And we're called to remember our leaders here in our text, to consider their way of life, and imitate their faith. Now, not, we, we're not imitating everything they do, right? We're imitating their faith, and we're not doing so because church leaders are somehow perfect, 
examples for us to imitate, right? We're not Jesus. That's somebody else. There's only one Jesus. Uh, but we do, we are called to imitate uh, their, the, 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 the faith of our leaders uh, because one of the things that church leaders should be doing, uh, one of the biggest qualifications for leadership in the church is they should be seeking to live faithfully uh, and, and desiring to act honorably in all things, as verse 18 says, uh, and being humble and repentant when we do sin. Uh, and, the, and the emphasis in verse 7 is specifically on those who have faithfully led us in the past. Uh, it's all in, in the past tense in verse 7, hence the command to remember and imitate. Uh, so those who have taught and, and led you faithfully in the way of Jesus continue to have an impact in your life in that way. And, and God still uses their ministry in your life even after they're no longer physically or, or personally present in your life. And praise the Lord that he can, he can do that when we remember our leaders, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. But for leaders in the present, for those who watch over us now, verse 17 has stronger commands to obey your leaders and submit to them. Those are strong words. Those can, can be scary words sometimes, uh, especially for those who've been burned by people exercising their authority inappropriately, uh, particularly within the context of the church, which should be a, a safe place for all of us. So, so we should be clear about what our text is not saying. It's not saying that pastors and elders have absolute authority to command whatever they want. Shepherding authority in the church is secondary authority. It's derived from the great shepherd. Verse 20. And we can't do or require anything other than what he requires. Okay, so, so if you ever have a shepherd telling you something contrary to the word of God, follow the chief shepherd, okay? Follow what he says. That's most important. He is the one who chiefly watches over our souls, and he never sleeps nor slumbers in doing so. But for those shepherds whom God has appointed and, and set apart through ordination to holy office in the church, who stumble along imperfectly but who seek to be faithful in their calling, God tells us in this text to obey and to submit to them, to listen to them, to believe them, and to do as they teach you from God's word. Again, God's word is the standard, right? That's what leaders are to teach. So as they're doing that, listen and follow. Right? As leaders, we're called to point to him. Uh, we don't lead people in our own way, just in his. As leaders do so, we're to follow. So be teachable. Be, be present and involved in the work of the church. Recognize that he's given guides and leaders in the church for this very purpose. And he's trained them and set them apart to ignore the spiritual leadership that God has placed in your life is a dangerous thing for your soul. 
right? It's, it's ignoring God's good provision for you. Don't do that, okay? Listen to the word of God and obey, especially as it is taught to you by the leaders that God himself has placed over you in your church. And God tells us why right here in the text. He says, they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. That word keep watch uh, also has the meaning of of, uh, losing or even chasing away sleep uh, as uh, the the, uh, shepherds at the nativity were keeping watch over their flocks by night, right? Remember that? That is to say, they weren't sleeping, right? They were working. They were on guard during that time. And, and I can personally testify that the pastors and elders of this church have all lost sleep, even chosen to forego sleep at times in order to love and serve and care for the people of this church. And they're accountable to the chief shepherd himself. It's an important job. Uh, It's not one that anyone should take up lightly. It's a good job, but it's it's, uh, a serious job. But since our leaders are accountable to Jesus himself, that gives us a greater ability to trust them. As sheep, we are accountable to our shepherds, but shepherds have a responsibility for their sheep, which they're accountable for, to Jesus himself himself. And if he needs to straighten them out, he can, right? He can. Now, of course, we still have to be wise. Uh, Scripture makes clear that there are false shepherds. There are wolves who dress up as shepherds in order to harm the flock. He tells us we can know who those are by observing their lives. Back to verse 7. To use another biblical metaphor, good trees produce good fruit, and bad trees produce rotten fruit. That's why we're to consider the outcome of their way of life. Consider their fruit and imitate their faith. Not imitate everything we do. Again, we're not Jesus, right? But if they're teaching the true word and they're trying to put it into practice in their own lives, even imperfectly, because that's all we have this side of heaven, but then our call is to obey and to submit to them. That's the leadership that uh, the Lord himself has placed in our life. And, and they're accountable to Jesus. He is capable of holding them to account. Even at times, uh, through the faithful use of church discipline, which involves other elders and pastors holding one another to account. That's why churches aren't an autocracy, right? But we have a, a plurality of elders serving together. Pretty smart of God to organize the church that way, wasn't it? It's a pretty good idea of his. And the Lord reminds us here that it's to our own benefit to do this well. Remember, leaders are watching out for our souls, so we want them to do a good job, right? We don't want our souls to be in danger or to be overlooked. We, uh, you know, we, we want to do our best then to listen well, to cooperate, to to, to work together, to obey, and to submit to the true teaching that they feed us from God's Word, to encourage our leaders in their work and and to participate in it with them, working on our own 
spiritual growth and sharing the good news of Jesus with others for the building of the church. Because it's not just the pastor's job to do everything in the church. Right? Ephesians 4, and you, and you guys know this, right? Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 says, and he, that is Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That is to say, Jesus himself provides elders and pastors, right? shepherds and teachers, as a good gift for the church. But the work he calls us to is primarily to equip all of you to do the work of ministry. That's how the church is built, not by one or even just a handful of guys trying to do everything, but by people that God sets aside to, to, to train and equip everyone else so that we can all do it together. That's what being part of the body of Christ is. And that's one of the biggest differences between the specific local leaders that the Lord refers to in this portion of his word and well-known teachers who are maybe uh, off somewhere else. And that's not to say that it's bad uh, to learn from talented teachers. Now, there's a certain amount of, of training and equipping that we can receive from those who are particularly gifted at explaining and applying God's word to, to many people, to large audiences. And I, and I have to believe, you know, when, when Paul or Barnabas or, or some other guest preacher came traveling through to this church that originally received the book of Hebrews, they probably listened carefully and they probably rejoiced as they should have. But the reminder here is not to focus on those celebrity teachers, but to listen well to the leaders that God has specifically given to you. You know, much, much has been said and written in recent years about the unhealthiness of Christian celebrity, both for the church at large as well as for individual Christians and, honestly, for the teachers themselves. I won't add to that commentary this morning, but it's always been a temptation for the church to elevate certain super teachers who, again, are not all bad. Uh, and in this day, we have more access than ever uh, via the internet, right, to both, well, good and bad teaching for that matter. But, but don't confuse teachers with shepherds, okay? Teachers can be helpful, absolutely, but they aren't a substitute for shepherds. Listening to sermons is good, but it's not the same as worshiping together with the body of Christ. That's one of the reasons we've kept holding services on Zoom as well during this season when, when a lot of other churches are streaming on, on Facebook or YouTube or something like that. And, and again, that's not all bad either, right? There are, there are benefits to uh, those approaches as well. I, I don't think other churches are being unfaithful in doing that. But one of the reasons we've specifically chosen the way that we're doing it is, is that we're not just called to watch a service. Right? We're called to gather 
and worship. And, and for those who can't gather physically right now, there's at least more of that feeling of gathering, more of that experience of seeing each other and gathering together via a virtual meeting, using the technology that we have available to us to at least simulate something as close as we can. I, I, I know it's not the same thing. Uh, it's, it's not um, what we would hope for, but uh, you know we're very thankful that more and more people are being vaccinated. It'll be safer, Lord willing, hopefully, uh, to be gathering together as our whole selves again, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, before too much longer. But uh, one thing, even virtual Zoom has the advantage of over just listening to a service from far away is that you have the benefit of hearing your own shepherds that God has specifically given to you. Famous teachers can be helpful. I have some that I like to listen to as well. But remember, they're not the ones called to minister and serve you specifically. Uh, they don't know you, right? They're not the ones laboring day in and day out or week in and week out, keeping watch over your souls, as the text says, even to the point of losing sleep with a love that's based in a true knowledge of you. Uh, matter of fact, I was telling my counselor just this past week, one of the hardest things about moving to another church or, or, or thinking about that, even though I'm confident that the Lord is leading us there, but it's it's really hard to think about leaving all of you. Uh, you know, th this, this church, uh, as, as I've said, truly has been my family, and, and, and one of the greatest blessings of pastoral ministry is being trusted with your spiritual care. Uh, most of us know each other well enough by this point. We've been around, uh, if you've been around at least a, a few years, we've, we've lived life together enough at this point that uh, as I talk with you as I, as I see your faces, or at least the top halves of them, you know, I know what to ask you about. I know how to pray for you. I know what's going on in your lives, uh, you know, for the, for the most part anyway, right? Uh, I know the things you're worried about, the, the things that are hard that you're going through, the things you're celebrating. I've counseled many of you, through family issues, work and school decisions, relationship questions, health and mental health struggles, fighting temptations to sin, and, and the pastors and elders of this church have spent hours and hours praying specifically for you by name, for requests that we know of, things that are going on in your life, and it's some of our most important work. Matt and I have been blessed to baptize many of your children into the church and to serve you the Lord's Supper week in and week out. That kind of local, intimate, shepherding ministry is what God calls leaders to in his church. It's a great responsibility, as Scripture makes clear, but it's also a great privilege for us, and, and it's something you'll, you can never get from a preacher who only comes through your speakers. Now, you might get some great additional teaching. You really, really can, but it's not a substitute for a life lived in community with local leaders who can shepherd you faithfully. 
As the author says, since church leaders serve you in this way, it is to your advantage to do what you can to make this easy for them. It doesn't help anyone if you obstruct the efforts of church leadership to serve you by being overly oppositional, or for that matter, by being overly agreeable when maybe a little constructive feedback might be what's needed. By expecting too much, we're human after all, right? We're, we're not Jesus. That keeps coming up over and over again, but it is true. We're not Jesus. Uh, or by that matter, you know, for that matter, you, you could perhaps ex, uh, expect too little, right? Refuse to expect anything. How can we pray for you if we don't know what's going on in your life? How can we serve you and minister to you if you don't tell us? So let us do the work with joy and not with groaning, trying to know how we can best serve you. Let's work together, live life in community as the family of God. And, and encouragement also goes a long way for church leaders. All too often, churches tend to be places where leaders hear plenty when people don't like things. But not nearly as many people tend to stop and thank and encourage those who serve faithfully. Now, to be fair, it's a lot easier to see when people mess up <laughs> or to, when they do things that rub us the wrong way than it is to see people faithfully serving over a long time. And I will say, I think this is one area where Christ Prez has been exceptional in my experience. Uh, we are blessed, we really are, to serve in a context where the people we serve are very gracious and readily express thanks and encouragement. It's, it's one of the things that has made serving here such a joy and a privilege, and I, and I pray that it continues for years into the future, long, long into the future, because the Lord uses that encouragement for the good, not only of your leaders, but as verse 17 reminds us, for your own advantage as well. But also, pray for us. As verse 18 exhorts, pray that we would act honorably in all things, that the Lord would give us wisdom and grace and stamina for ministry as well as for, for life, right? For, for living and, and for loving and serving our own families well. Just as uh, you need us to pray for you, we need you to pray for us. The, the thing about those uh, who are called to serve as shepherds in local churches is that we're also sheep, too, at a fundamental level. We're, we're humans. We are sheep. We're members of God's church, and we also need gospel care just as much as anybody else. And we're often called to, to pour out that care for the sake of others, but we're not infinite. Right? We also need to be filled. We're, we're limited and we're needy too. So, so you see how earnestly the author pleads in verse 19 for prayer and thoughtful remembrance of the elders and pastors who are called to serve as leaders. Because as we show honor and respect to those that the Lord has appointed as shepherds in our local context, as we, as we listen uh, and we do what they teach us and we put it into practice, Right? We, we do these things ultimately for our chief shepherd himself who has put these under shepherds uh, over us in the church. We, we do this to bring him glory, which leads us into one of my very favorite uh, passages in all of scripture, that benediction 
from verses 20 and 21 is so rich. Uh, actually, uh, originally had planned to give it a sermon all to itself, uh, but it's important, I think, to keep it within the context because um, these, these commands to obey and to submit to our pastors and elders are all here in the context of our obedience and submission, first and foremost, to the God of peace who brings that holistic shalom in our lives. And you may have heard or, or read a, a, a study at some point about the different names that God uses to reveal himself throughout Scripture. God of peace. This is a rare one. It's not the only place it's used, but it is not a common name that God uses for himself. Now, we don't have time today to get into all the nuances of it, but, but what a comfort it is to know that we belong to the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Just last week, we celebrated Jesus' resurrection with churches around the world, but as Matt mentioned earlier, in, in our tradition, we recognize that every Sunday is an opportunity to celebrate Jesus' victorious resurrection that guarantees our resurrection and eternal life. He is still risen. He is the great shepherd of the sheep, the one who watches over our souls perfectly by the blood of his eternal covenant. And we've talked throughout the book of Hebrews about this covenant relationship that we enjoy with God through Jesus. So I won't go over it again here this morning, but it is good. It is final and it never ends. And he paid the only possible price to secure it by his own blood, given willingly, not under compulsion, but given in its totality for you. And the prayer of this benediction, which is offered in faith because Jesus can and will do it, is for all, that, that, that for all of these commands uh, of which we fall so short, for all of the things that we fail to do and the things we do poorly as we try to follow our good shepherd, for all the ways we as leaders fail to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for all the ways we as sheep fail to gear up for the work of ministry and do the work of ministry. For all of these failures, we trust and rely on God himself to equip us with everything good that we may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Not depending on ourselves, not working up what we need within ourselves to do his will, not even collaborating with God on the work of sanctification as if, you know, he does most of it, but we're still responsible for part of it. No, he works in us that which is pleasing, all of that which is pleasing in his sight. If it were up to us, we could not do anything pleasing in his sight. Only he can work that in us through Jesus Christ and through him alone. Don't miss that important 
phrase there, that important reminder, it's only through Jesus that we can do God's will. And he does that for all who are his so that we can do God's will because he works it in us. He doesn't only save us, but he adopts us into his family, as we read earlier in the book. He even sanctifies us. He makes us more and more like Jesus until the day he welcomes us home and we rejoice forever in the perfect inheritance that he's purchased for us with his blood, the blood of the eternal covenant, which is ours. We, we, we own it already, not through angels, not through prophets or priests, not through political leaders or famous teachers or even through local shepherds, but through Jesus and through Jesus alone. It's all of his grace, which is why it's appropriate that the very last verse of the book ends, grace be with you all. Amen. And in Jesus, it will always be so. So put your faith and trust in Jesus now and forever. And may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, our God, you are so good to us. We don't deserve anything from you, but the love that you show us is beyond compare beyond words, that you gave everything, even your own son. You poured out your own life in order to rescue your enemies. Lord, you give us your word, your son, your spirit, your family, your forgiveness, your righteousness, your mercy and grace. And you provide not only for our eternity, but for our daily needs. Father, you are astounding. Thank you for the shepherds that you have given us who have taught us your word faithfully over the years. Please bless, encourage, and strengthen those you have called to shepherd your people throughout the world that they may do the work of shepherding your flock well. Use them to equip the saints for the work of ministry and build your church, your kingdom, here in Grove City, and around the world. Bless this church with faithful shepherds for years and years to your glory and the good of your people. Lead the right man to come and serve as the next pastor. Bless the elders and those preparing to stand as elder candidates with a faithful desire of the gifts to shepherd well your flock in this place. Give your church grace with imperfect leaders, Help us to honor our shepherds well as a way of honoring you. And we thank you for the promise that you work in us that which is pleasing to you through Christ Jesus so that we always stand before you in his robes of perfect righteousness. May we draw 
ever nearer and nearer to him and seek to stay closer and closer until the day when we will see him face to face and never leave his presence and find true joy and peace for eternity.